Hello again, folks, and welcome to the 615 Preps Podcast presented by NCP Coatings. Chris Brooks with Scott Burton. In the semifinal week for Division One teams in Middle Tennessee High School football. Scott's on the phone with us this week in a little bit different spot. We're doing things a little bit differently this week. Scott, how are you? I am good. I am vacating. I am socially and physically distant. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've done that all year long, except this time we're just not in the same area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, this time we're not in the same studio. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, everything's uh, everything seems to be good here. We just... Uh, uh, enjoying a little R and R for uh, for Thanksgiving. Yeah, not bad. And some teams are are enjoying a little bit of practice before Thanksgiving, which is a good sign if you're practicing on Thanksgiving morning. We'll talk about the Division One semifinals of area teams in this episode, and among those, we'll talk with Summit head coach Brian Coleman about the Spartans' trip to Henry County in the five A semifinals, and then who you got? We will pick the semifinal winners for area teams and you can get ready for trips to the Blue Cross Bowl. Some teams in Division Two punched their tickets last week. Lipscomb Academy, CPA in Division II AA, and Davidson Academy in Division II Single A are going back to Cookville for their championship games. And we'll start our recap of last week with Davidson Academy. Scott, you were there. They had Nashville Christian. Rematch of a game earlier this year where Davidson Academy won 35-0. Allowed, I think, was minus yardage. Total yeah, it was, offense. Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty ugly game early in the year. Of course, Davidson Academy, uh, you know, they came out wanting to make a statement in that game, which they did. Nashville Christian in that game, uh, their starting quarterback Matt McClary was out, and uh, they had uh, some other injuries. Plus, you know, it was early in the season; those teams hadn't had a chance to really uh, get out and practice. So. Uh, they knew going in that this would be a different Eagle team than, uh, than what they saw back in September. Um, and, and really this was kind of a, a, a change of uh, philosophies in this game because Davidson Academy actually came out passing the ball and, and, and was able to move it pretty good. It, it was a little sloppy early. Neither team really could, uh, uh, could really get uh, anything going. And then, uh, as it usually happens, a, a tip ball leads to a short field, leads to a touchdown pass on one of the more acrobatic catches. I say one because I know you're going to talk about another one. Mm. Um, but a, one of uh, a great over-the-shoulder uh, pitch and catch uh, from Jared Vitato to Juju Orr, uh, where he basically just stayed inside the back boundary. And um, – yeah, it really kind of went back and forth a lot in that game. Nobody really gaining a whole lot of ground uh, until late, late in the in the half uh, when a uh, after they had gotten a stop on fourth and goal, uh, National Christian really couldn't do anything with it. Uh, punted, couldn't really uh, get. Uh, basically, gave him a short field again, really. And uh, Griffin Sweeney had a score. He's fourteen nothing at the break. But Nashville Christian comes back and and scores, makes it 14-7, and then it was just a steady, steady diet of Griffin Sweeney for the most part. At that point, um, at that point, it really became a yeah a, a really tight game of uh, Sweeney here, Sweeney there, Sweeney a little bit everywhere, and uh, they broke it open late and. 
Uh, really, there was a 73-yard streak to A.J. Quinn, which was, again, brought up uh, on because their run game really started going. So uh, a lot closer game uh, than what they had uh, seen earlier. But at the end, again, it was uh, it was Davidson Academy that kind of rolled away with it late. And they're back in uh, going for their third in a row now. Yeah, three straight appearances in the Blue Cross Bowl championship game. They'll get USJ again after USJ knocked off DCA in the other semifinal. Uh, now, Davidson Academy, I think there was a win streak, like, what, 23 now? Is that right? Yeah, 23 uh, in a row. Um, that they're, they're making statements, and, and that's really what uh, that's really what Jonathan Quinn, uh, you know, that's what he he's wanting these guys to finish strong. The last team that beat them was actually National Christian, last year yeah. in uh, like week two i believe yeah and uh he brings that up every time he plays they play national christian uh they say he's got a uh you know not that they need bulletin board material but i think it's just to keep him humble mm-hmm. and you know to keep him focused because you know his point is that anybody could beat anybody at any given time well when they get to Cookville, they're going to play for the last time in Division II single A because next year they're going to double A to join both of the finalists in that championship game, CPA and Lipscomb Academy, in their region. So, you know, it just gets tougher for those teams when you when you throw in Davidson Academy on top of those two teams. And that's yeah, going to be, be – Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be really interesting to see who kind of rolls up on top and, you know, can Davidson Academy maintain uh, – they're, what they've got going, uh, you know, really who comes out on top in that region. Uh, it, it's really going to be an interesting uh, matchup. We're going to have some good games. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you talked about, you know, a team not having their quarterback in the first meeting. Riverdale was in the same boat against Oakland the first time around in October. Jamison Holcomb was out with a hand injury. He was back for the second time in the second incarnation of the Battle of the Borough. And Riverdale, you know, kept this thing kind of within arm's length for a while, but then just the inability to really kind of keep Oakland's offense from scoring in the second half did them in. This game was 0-0 for quite some time. In fact, into the second quarter before Oakland ripped off 20 points to to end the first half, including a highlight reel catch from Isaiah Horton, a one-hander, Diving one-hander in the corner of the end zone. We'll have that on our website and our YouTube channel. You'll see that actually on Wednesday night as our spotlight film goes up. But the thing with Oakland this time around, it was really, you know, they Jordan James had a terrific night, 217 total yards, including a 90-yard touchdown reception on what was second and 30 because they had been pushed back by penalties. Penalties were a big part of this game. 250, 257 yards, 275, 275 yards of penalties between the two teams. 20, 27 flags total in this game. My goodness. Yeah. Riverdale had 142 penalty yards, and Oakland had 133, but the Patriots were able to overcome those for most for the most part, especially because Ian Schlachter was, was able to make some plays both with his arm and his legs. You know, Schlachter threw a couple touchdown passes, but James really was was kind of the the horse for for the Patriots. He had two other touchdown runs. 
and you know, just really had Riverdale's number. It was. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's really a testament of how good I guess that Oakland offense really is. Um, you know, to be able to score uh, that many points against a Riverdale defense that is really one of the better ones in the state. It really is. It really is. And then Oakland hung 39 on them, you know, and, and part of that was due to, you know, just that second quarter, 20 points before halftime. And Horton's catch came in the final minute of the first half, much like his highlight reel catch did against Riverdale in the first game. It came right at the end of the half. So it was kind of a momentum killer for Riverdale. They had a little bit of something going. Got across midfield for the first time with maybe three minutes to go in the half. Fumbled it away almost immediately, and then Oakland came back the other way and scored, and, and that was kind of it. You know, they got to within 26-14 before James's 90-yard touchdown catch, and you know it kind of went the same way as the first meeting. It's like they were just Riverdale's defense was just unable to stop Oakland's weapons from from finding the end zone. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to beat Oakland, you're, you're going to have to get out in front, and you're going to have to find a way to stay there. Yeah. Uh, they're just too good offensively. And, it, it's, and, I, and really, the, uh, the emergence of Isaiah Horton really has added another dimension to their offense, don't you think? It has. It really has. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a deep threat for Ian Schlachter to find pretty much a jump ball guy, too, as we've already seen this year. You, know, you can throw it up to him in the end zone. He's going to find a way to go, to go get it. And he can make those catches in the open field too. And and Riverdale kind of had bracket coverage on him a lot during this game. They would have double coverage on him, and it, it didn't matter because he would find a way to get his hands on the ball, whether he caught it or not was a different story. Because as we see, the flags were were, were not were, were fast and furious in this one. So a couple right. of, a couple of pi calls went Oakland's way before he had that one hander in the end zone. But Jordan or Marcus Lloyd, sorry, had had two touchdowns for Riverdale, had both their scores. But it sets up Oakland Maryville again for the seventh consecutive year. And I've talked about this a little bit, kind of being it's not it's not a sequel, it's not a trilogy. We're in police academy territory now with the number of games these two teams have played in the semifinals. <laughs> so if you if you don't know that That's reference incredible. if you don't know that reference, ask your parents. Because Police Academy had at what eight? Uh, I believe, I believe it was I, eight I, movies. I, I say because I stopped watching after six. Yeah, I believe there were eight Police Academy movies. We have seven Oakland Maryville semifinals in a row, and we'll talk about that a little later. And who you got? Yeah. You know, some of the other scores from those quarterfinals in Division One. Uh, Gordonsville was a thirty-seven suffered a thirty-seven to seven loss to South Pittsburgh in Class One A. And their season is done after a strong showing in 2A. Trowsdale County beat Watertown 21-13. Trowsdale County will, try, will host Makes County in this week's semifinals. In Class 3A, Pearl Cone traveled to Stewart County and won 56-20. They will have to go on the road again to Milan in the semifinals, hoping to get back to Cookville for the second straight year. Class 4A might be the upset of the quarterfinal round. Nolansville knocked off unbeaten Tullahoma 15-14 to thanks to a safety with a few minutes left in the game. Yeah, that that game really, I think it came a shock to a lot of people, and 
and, and including Tullahoma. I mean, really, when you get when you come down to it, uh, like you said, it, it was really a, a, a kickoff return, a punt. Uh, special teams really killed Tullahoma in that game. Yep. The 5-8 quarterfinals, Summit beat Beach 36-29. We'll talk to Brian Coleman about that game in the next segment. Henry County 39, Clarksville Northeast 7. The Eagles season is finished at the hands of the Patriots, who will host Summit this week. 6A, we've talked about Riverdale and, and Oakland 39-14. Oakland of that one. Brentwood in a barn burner winds up beating Franklin 55-34. They will head to Bartlett for the other 6A semifinal. In Division Two, Single A, Davidson Academy over Nashville Christian 33-14. We talked about that one just a few minutes ago. USJ knocked off DCA 34-17. The Wildcats storybook run ends, unfortunately, at 10-1 after a loss at home to USJ, who will get back to Cook for the second straight year as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a rematch of uh, last year's game. It is. And that game's actually going to be the middle game on Thursday, December 3rd, instead of the first game like it was last year. But we'll talk about that later on. Division II AA, Lipscomb Academy and CPA will score off for the championship. Lipscomb Academy, a 56-13 winner over ECS. Good pasture. Gave CPA a run for a while, but CPA pulled away, winning 58-22, ending the Cougars' run in the semifinals. And Division II AAA was a surprise, I think, to both of us where neither Brentwood Academy or NBA was able to win. Both of those teams get knocked out in the semifinal round. McCauley took out BA 28-18, to and MUS, with a late score, wins 49-42 to at NBA. It was, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. You could have knocked me. Uh, out of bed with that, uh, with both of those teams going down. Uh, I thought for certain we would see at least one of them. Uh, I really thought Brentwood Academy was going to be there, just just the way, uh, just the way that they're carrying themselves. But uh, I think you said it last uh, uh, last show that uh, had lately they had been letting some games get close. Yeah, and it looks like it may have finally just. Uh, uh, up and bit them. Yeah, the surprising one to me was NBA giving up 49 points. I mean, that that was not something that I would have expected from that defense. No, no, you're right. You're right. But, you know, both those teams will have to give it a go next year, but their 2020 seasons are over. And we got a little business to take care of as far as our Citizens Bank Player of the Week honors are concerned. Still some very good candidates in the quarterfinal round. We'll we'll touch on them briefly. Kate Granzel from Brentwood, 20 of 28 passing, 231 yards, two touchdowns through the air, 12 carries, 93 yards, and five touchdowns on the ground in that 55-34 win over Franklin. Speaking of Franklin, Connor Beaven was 29 of 47 for 465 yards and four touchdowns in that losing effort. Marcel Reed, 13 of 20 for 320 yards through the air and, and had four total touchdowns. In NBA's loss, Nolansville Samson Johnson, a 99 yard kickoff return for a touchdown and had 15 carries for 91 yards, or excuse me, 15 carries for 61 yards and caught a pass for six yards in their 15 to 14 win over Tullahoma. Mentioned Jordan James from Oakland, 217 yards and three touchdowns, including that big long 
90-yard touchdown reception in their win over Riverdale. Pearl Cones, Martino Owens, 12 of 15 through the air, 248 yards and four touchdowns. Summons Destin Wade, 13 of 16 passing, 218 yards, four touchdowns, 29 carries, 194 yards and a touchdown as Summit beat Beach 36-29. And Troustville County's Cameron Rankins, 30 carries, 173 yards, three touchdowns, and had an interception on defense in their win at Watertown. So, the fans vote is in, and Cameron Rankins ran away with this one, had 62% of the voting this week. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, but it's up to us to finish it off. So, Scott, yeah. let's, let's get yours first. Well, I thought that this was supposed to get easier once we got to the playoffs. <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't have uh, near as many games, so you wouldn't have near as many choices, but uh, these none of these guys are making it easy on us. Um, and looking at it, I wish this uh, I wish this guy would have got some more votes. Uh, but my guy is Kate Granza. Um, seven touchdowns in that game against that Franklin team that was playing at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the passing yards, but I, they lean on him so much for scoring offense that. I think in that game, you know, my vote goes in that direction. Now, there are, you know, there are plenty of reasons to look at other players. But for my money, that's where I'm voting this week. Yeah, and you and I have discussed, you know, who we might vote for. And I, I kind of had a change of heart last minute. I'm going to go with Destin Wade from Summit. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, oh, and just because, you know, his performance in that environment at Beach, you know, being able to withstand all Beach's counter punches and, and pulling it out in the last minute with everything that they've done this year, that to me I think may be the most impressive performance of any of any quarterback other than Granzo, of course. But I think just an overall performance on the air, in the air, on the ground, in that against that defense and pretty much a top five matchup, which could arguably have been your championship game. Oh, not without a doubt. So without a doubt, my vote's going with Destin Wade, but unfortunately, it gives us in a three-way tie. And I know what that means. And it, it's happened before this year, and it's happened again. So the fans' vote is going to carry the day, and and Trousdale County's Cameron Rankins is going to pull it out as our Citizens Bank Player of the Week for the third round of the playoffs. So congratulations to Cameron. We'll get their, we'll get an award to him. I, you know, that, that's great for him. I, I, I really, you know, he was one that uh, I looked at because he carried that team, 30 carries. He scored all the touchdowns, and he made a big pick. I, I, I won't argue with that. Yeah. Hard, hard, to, hard to argue with that performance, too. I mean – all of these, all of these players had big games and, and had their own had a case to make for Player of the Week. But it's going to be Cameron Rankins for Trousdale County, our Citizens Bank Player of the Week for Week Three, of the playoffs, and you know, we'll get some stuff to him pretty soon, whether it's on Thanksgiving or, or maybe even in Cookville. We'll see. But uh, coming up next, Summit Head Coach Brian Coleman joins us for a chat about that win at Beach and going to Henry County. On the 615 Preps podcast presented by NCP Coatings. Stick around. Performance is important. On the field, on the job. How about paint performance? Do your products leave the shop looking the best they can? 
Can they look factory new even after years of normal use? Do your customers share their first impressions with their colleagues? When the answers are yes, you know that you demand the best from top coats, primers, enamels, textured coatings, and reducers. For the best, ask for NCP. NCP Coatings develops and delivers coatings for original equipment manufacturers and aftermarket suppliers. We work with U.S. military research labs where the demands are high and the technology is leading edge. You'll find NCP Coatings on heavy trucks, trailers and implements, recreational and commercial boats, off-road equipment, even tanks and battleships. And we prioritize collaboration. Our technical and customer support teams help with the design, forecast, and strategies specific to your product coatings needs. Visit our website, ncpcoatings.com, or call today, toll-free, 800-627-1948. That's 800-627-1948. Back here on the 615 Preps Podcast with Summit Head Coach Brian Coleman. Spartans head to Henry County this week for their 5A semifinal against the Patriots. Looking to make a repeat trip to Cookville in the Blue Cross Bowl next week. Coach, how you doing? All right, buddy. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate this. Absolutely. Glad for coming on with us. Um, yeah, a big one last week against Beach that went right down to the wire. I guess you have to be really happy the way your kids responded to so many punches by that Beach team, a very strong program, obviously. Yeah, we faced uh, we faced a little adversity in that game, and, and the word I keep res- using with these guys is resilience. Uh, they had a good goal line stand against us. We had it first and goal on about the three and couldn't punch it in, and uh, they drove down and scored after that and went up a touchdown, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of teams could have folded on that, but we kept clawing and fighting back. Uh, uh, they went up. Uh, with They got a touchdown and uh, got a two-point conversion, and they went up uh, right before, I mean, it's three minutes to go in the game, and uh, we got the ball and just drove down the field and scored, and with about 30 seconds left in the game. So, you know, our kids fought back, fought back, you know, never took their heads. So uh, very proud of them for that for sure. And your, your kids haven't really been in a lot of situations like that this year, obviously with the lack of games that you've had. But to be right. able to perform in that situation with everything on the line, that has to say a lot about the whole team in general, not just the ones that were on the field. Oh, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, the Independence game was the closest game we had had, and that was week one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Franklin beat us, but uh, they, had a, they had a long drive at the end and really didn't allow us to have any time left on the – on the clock to uh, to answer so uh yeah i mean at all those COVID, we had a few covid wins and and then you know uh, you know columbia was kind of sort of close but it wasn't really i mean it was always usually a two two touchdown game so you know very proud of our kids but i think they're feeding off a lot of our guys were in this situation last year a lot of them uh you know uh were in were played last year in the in the in the, in the state championship you know when we, when we made it so uh I can I can revert back and tell the guys, you know, remember this feeling last year. Remember at this point when we were we were playing Chevyville, you know, remember this, and they can, you know, they can their mind they know uh, what that game felt like. They remember the the memories of it. Uh, they remember what it takes to uh, to advance in in times like this. And you know, sometimes when when you don't have that experience to to go on, you know, you kind of. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a little bit hard, more difficult, I would say. And you kind of answered my next question because I was going to ask you about that experience from last year, but also doing it on the road as well. I mean, you had to go on the road a lot last year, and you have to go to such a tough environment in Beach, and you got to do it again to Henry County this week. I mean, to be able to have the experience of winning away from home in the playoffs, it's valuable, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 big. I mean, like you said last year, you know, we had to go to Gallatin, we had to go to Page, we had to go to Chevyville. Uh, and, you know, there's some tough environments, especially that Gallatin game with all the, 
the things that happened with mm-hmm. that game. So then, uh, yeah, I mean, going to beach was, you know, a hostile environment, beautiful, beautiful facility, beautiful field, you know, uh, traditions of winning there. I think they call it Shackle Island or something like that, you know. So, uh, you know, again, very proud of the guys for handling it. Uh, same thing this week, you know, a couple hours to Henry County, a lot of tradition in that place. But uh, but also, I mean, it's, it's a football game when you get down to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think kind of we may have, overblown the uh the state championship game and maybe scared them a little bit last year you know you know talking about the environment talking about it almost too much now mm-hmm. you know let's just go play a football game just relax i mean it's a football field it's a football game and you know just do what you just do what you can and uh you know and play play hard and you know don't really you know soak it up a little bit before the pregame but again it's just a football game everybody talks obviously about destin and keaton wade obviously but you know, caleb jolly came up big for you yeah. last week. You know, what is his what what is his performance meant to your team this year? Oh man, he stepped up big time. He stepped up as wide receiver bigger than, you know, that was the biggest surprise. I mean, we know he could catch the ball, but and, and you know, throwing the ball is we we threw it a little bit during the season. Uh we did it, you know, we do again in big games if if we take what the defense gives us. If they're packing the box, you know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. going to we're going to throw the ball, and Destin's more than capable. And uh, and and Jolly Caleb made a lot of plays. Uh, and I said this to a, a few other uh, reporters this past week. One of the best comments Caleb could have gotten was uh, every about two weeks. For the last two weeks, the opposing coaches come up to us and say, "Man, what about that number two, which is Caleb? I mean, he's he's a good one half of a player. So if another coach is going out of their way, you know, to speak about one of your kids on your team, that's that's kind of special, and that says a lot about him." Yeah, and the way that your kids have handled everything with the COVID wins and, and not being on the field for so many weeks in November yeah. or October, I mean, you know, they seem to have really taken this in stride, haven't they? They have. The Hillwood game was really big because, you know, it had been three or four weeks, you know, three weeks before, you know, since we had played. Uh, and here we go bouncing into first round of the playoffs, uh, you know, after that layoff. But, you know, we talked We talked to them. They, they were upset. It ain't like they're – they don't – they don't. They weren't happy about these COVID wins. They were upset. They were getting really mad. Uh, you know, the later ones, the later ones, they're like, "Hey, coach, we want to play." And you know, some of them were so late we couldn't reschedule. And then that last one kind of really didn't try to much to reschedule because we I, we kind of knew we we're going to play Hillwood. So mm-hmm. let's we was like, no, all right, let's just plan. We're going. We're Hillwood from here on out. We get two weeks to plan for Hillwood. So that's what we're doing. And very and again, they came out against Hillwood, and I think we're up thirty-five to nothing at halftime. So we really. We, our battle cry was, you know, knock the rust off. Everybody said you're going to be rusty. Well, let's just go play physical football and just knock that rust off, and and they did. Do you think they feel a little bit like they have a chip on their shoulder that maybe, you know, people might not necessarily be taking them as seriously as they should be, even though they've been top five in the state all year, but but they haven't played a lot of games, and people wonder about that. Yeah, somewhat. Now, yeah, we – the guys, we pride ourselves in being a physical football team. You know what I mean? And we pride ourselves in, in 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 playing playing the game right and playing the game physical and running the ball and playing good defense. Now, when people start saying, "Well, Beach is going out physical," you're or you're not you're not as strong as they are. They they take that you know they take that as a chip on their shoulder. They don't like being told that. Uh, so stuff like that really gets to them. But I mean, but again, like I mean. The beach is a physical football team. Right. We just had to match that. You know what I mean? We yeah. just had to, you know, hang with them there. So, uh, you know, to be put in a category with beach with 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 these two with these great teams, uh, it's just really good for our program for sure. Considering the the lack of of 
on, in, of games that have been able to play. I mean, to have Destin Wade as a Mr. Football finalist, what does that mean for him, for you, for the program? How big is that just to ha- get that recognition? Well, that's big, and we were very appreciative of it because, uh, you know, we're sending stats out to, uh, you know, to try to get him nominated. Uh, you had to take into account that he'd only played 17 quarters of the, mm-hmm. of the stats that he had. And, and us as a program, and we don't we don't chase stats. I mean, we were up uh, – I think we we're up twenty-eight fourteen the second game of the year against Spring Hill, and he didn't even play the whole second half. Right. I mean, I mean, we're—he's valuable to our football team, as everybody can see. So we're not going to worry about you know second half throwing it up, getting numbers. We're we're getting him out of there. We don't want him getting injured. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and a couple, we had a couple run rule games that uh, he didn't even play the second half. So we were, you know, very appreciative that people took into account that these—that was only seventeen quarters where he had all these numbers, and uh, and I, I mean, it's just a. He's a great kid, man. We're so proud of him. Uh, he, you know, he gives credit to his teammates. Uh, you know, so just a great kid. So happy for him, and you know, happy for our program that to be recognized to have a, a young man like that for sure. So we'll stay in the family and, and talk about Keaton for a second. You, you lose him before week one, and then he tries to come back later in the year and and, and kind of re-aggravates the injury. Now, yeah, you kind of in that situation. Is, is, will he be able to play? How's he doing? And is he on track to possibly get back? Uh, quite possibly, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a tough spot, uh, you know, without giving too much information, it's his foot. So it's right. a tough spot to heal. Yeah. And, you know, he's got, he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. So we didn't want to jeopardize anything with his future. So, I mean, we're getting doctor's opinions. He's getting, you know, everything we're doing, all the things, his parents are doing all the things. Now he wants to be out there. He's our biggest cheerleader. Uh, he wants to be out there with his brother and brothers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, but again, we can't push it. Uh, he's got a bright future, you know, so we're going to see, you know, we'll, we'll see how this week goes. Uh, but I mean, we'd be happy to have him for sure. Cause just, uh, I mean, you're looking at a, a four-star athlete. He hops right in there. He does everything technically sound of kids have been priced for 10 weeks. He's just that kind of kid, you know, he's real technical and he's, he's already a monster, uh, you know, a beast. So, uh, We'd be happy to have him. Be great, a great shot in the arm for our kids. You get that extra little confidence boost for sure. So the guys that have been replacing him at linebacker, talk about them and, and who's been there and kind of the impact that they've made filling in his role. Yeah, I mean, of course, Caleb was the, the original plan was to have Keaton on one side and Caleb Jolly on the other. That'd mm-hmm. be two great edges there. So, yeah. so Caleb is taking up the slack on one side. Uh, Gavin Wells, I would have to say, he was he's our starting middle linebacker. He has been the guy. And I got to give Coach Melton, our defense coordinator, a lot of credit too. But Gavin is the one we have been able to move outside and inside. We've got a certain packages where Coach will bring in another D lineman. We'll go a four man front, and that'll put Gavin in the middle. Or we'll take him out. Gavin will go to outside. We'll bring somebody else in the middle linebacker. So he's really the one that's, uh, I guess, uh, shouldered the burden of, of playing those both those positions. And like I said, Coach Melton is. He's adapted to who we have and the personnel we have and, and who we're playing. I mean, it, it, a lot of it depends on what kind of front we're going to use, what kind of offense we're going to face. So, uh, you know, he gets a lot of credit. And, I mean, our defense, man, it's been – even against Beach, it had to be bend, don't break. They're going to pound you, pound you, pound you, three yards at the carry, three yards to carry. You just have to make them snap it again, you know, snap it again, snap it again. So, uh, and our, then they got better better throughout the year. So, a lot of credit goes to Coach Melton. And, and I, like I said, Gavin Wells was has just been a – has been a playmaker for us, you know, and being able to swap, you know, between positions. And you have to face Henry County pretty much. They played them about as close as anybody earlier in this year. Do you expect a similar game from Henry County that you got from Beach? No, most definitely, yes. Uh, same 
same type, same type. And it's not the same offense because Beach is going to go double tight, uh, uh, smokestack eye, but mm-hmm. it's the same. It's still a tight end. It's still an eye formation. It's still a downhill runner, big guy, you know, downhill three yards in cloud of dust. Uh, they've got a really good wide receiver as it beach. Uh, I think their wide receiver signing with Memphis, a real tall kid. So they've got that kind of threat, but, uh, but yeah, Coach Counts wants to do exactly what Coach Crabtree wants to do. You know, they want to control the football game, and I'm sure they want to keep our offense off the field by controlling the football. You know, as many road games as you guys have played, to be able to practice on Thanksgiving morning in your home field, how, how's that going to feel for y'all? Oh, man, it's wonderful. You just sit back and you kind of take it all in. Even today you stand back and like, you know, what could I be doing right now? You know, what would I rather be doing than practicing right now? And, and Thanksgiving morning to – to get the guys up to go practice and then send them to their families to go eat some turkey. And, and we bring them in Friday morning and uh, feed them breakfast. And uh, it's just a great time. It And it and it's it's tough that a lot of teams don't get to experience this because it really, really brings you close together as a yep. team. You know what I mean? Yep. This is the time. And, and, you know, there's very few teams doing it. But but we just, like, come together and they, they, they're together because, uh, you know, because they wouldn't be together if we weren't playing. So it's just a special time. You know, the first time going through this type of routine is always special. But now having to, getting to do it a second year in a row, for you, what does that mean personally? Oh, man, it's awesome. It's, it's a testament to this program, those those kids. So, uh, you know, we're uh, just it's just exciting. And, and uh, it's, it's fun to make a habit of it for sure. We'd love to, but it's just good to have those two years. All right. Coach, appreciate you coming on with us this week. Uh, I know it's a big one at Henry County. Good luck to you and the Spartans, and, and hopefully uh, we'll get to see you cook for All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Head Coach Brian Coleman of the Southern Spartans, back with the 615 Preps podcast after this, presented by NCP Coatings. Stay with us. Back here in the 615 Preps podcast, presented by NCP Coatings. Time to try to pick some winners for these semifinal games. Scott, it's uh, our weekly segment called Who You Got? And, uh, yeah, but the, the idea is to pick winners, right? Uh, yeah. I, I think well, I lost the meaning last week. Well, I think we all did, really, except for Drake. I mean, Drake went 11-3 and three last week, so and he was the only one that picked Nolensville to win, so he knew something we didn't. Wow. He is, however. That, go ahead. Nobody is Drake. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He is, however, still in last place. He had some ground to make up and, and didn't quite make up a bunch. But, uh, you know, for the year, I'm 99 and 41. Didn't quite get to 100 wins yet, but hope to this week. So you're sitting in second at 96 and 44. Twitter voters are 95 and 45. And Drake is at 88 and 52 after his 11 and 3 week. Everybody else went 9 and 5. So some struggles there. Yeah, a little bit. A little struggle bus. Well, let's get started with the 2A semifinal between Meigs County and Trousdale County. It's a rematch of last year's semifinal where Trousdale County had to hit the road to go to Meigs County and couldn't quite pull that one out. Do you think home field might be a, a little bit of an advantage this time to help them flip that? I don't know. I mean, you know, I know that Meigs County is itching to get back into the title game for a rematch. Uh, well, if they if they get there against Peabody. Uh you know, they're a very balanced team offensively and defensively. Uh, 42 yard, uh, almost 43 points per game in regular season, 43 in the playoffs, if you include it. Led by uh, Class uh, 2A, Mr. Football, Will Meadows. Uh, he's got uh, 1,200 yards, 145 carries, and 20 TDs. Uh, 
he also can catch the ball. He's got 166 receiving yards. He scored six times in a quarterfinal game against South Green, four of those in the first half. Their offensive line is just very, very good. Defensively, they've recorded three shutouts too. So, you know, they average only, what, 8.7 points a game in the regular season. And last week, they held South Green to 73 yards on the ground. And 77 were given up to a Mr. Football final fluke Myers. So this is a this is a tough game for Trousdale County because uh, truthfully, they are a running team. In fact, they didn't attempt to pass last week. Uh, they didn't have to. Cameron Rankins had a hundred. Uh, they well, they wound up with 269 yards on 50 carries. Yep. Cameron Rankins had 169 of them, uh, but they also allowed 145 yards to the air and two touchdowns to uh, jacket killer, uh, notorious jacket killer, Hunter Hughes Malone. <laughs> so, you know they don't have the flashy numbers, but they do hit you in the mouth. And the Creek Bank is not an easy place to play. But I think that Meigs County may just have too much for them this 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 game. I'm going to go with the Tigers. Well, okay. The Creep Bank to me, and I've I've watched many a game down there, has a way of kind of evening things out. And this is the type of game I think Trousdale County wants to be able to play. They want to keep it on the ground. They want to keep this thing kind of in the trenches and keep it close. They don't need this thing to get into a shootout. They don't need it to get to the 30s. No. It would be much better for them if they didn't. If it's in the low to mid twenties, they might be all right. But if they have to try to score thirty-two, thirty-five points against Max County, they're going to be in trouble. I don't think they'll need to. Now, Trousdale County got to the title game two years ago, but I think there's a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth from that experience. They want to get back to try to to avenge that and and kind of show people that. They're still a top-tier program. You know, they, they've fallen short several times in the last few years, and I think that it's kind of weighing on people there that they're not winning a gold ball again because they're so used to championships and being in that in that spotlight. Cameron Rankins is an absolute stud. He has yes, he is. 829 yards for the year, 13 touchdowns. He's, he's who they lean on. If Jaden Hicks cannot play, it's going to be Cameron Rankins left, Cameron Rankins right, Cameron Rankins up the middle, over, under, through, whatever. It's going to be Rankins will have 40 carries in this game. That may not bode well for Trousdale County if he has to have that kind of workload, but he can handle it. He has he has that type of ability. He can handle that workload and still play defense. But No doubt. No doubt. But like I said, I'm, I'm concerned that this thing game may get too high scoring for them. So they're going to have to keep it in the low 20s. But I think they do. I think Trousdale County can get this done even without Jaden Hicks and get back to Cookville. I, I like the Yellow Jackets to win this one in a kind of a low scoring affair. See, we're already we're already going different ways. Let's hit up Class 3A. Pearl Cone travels to Milan in a semifinal. 
that has a couple of Mr. Football finalists in it. Martino Owens for Pearl Cone, Anthony Brown for Milan. Mm-hmm. Owens has been outstanding all year long. 26 touchdown passes. He's thrown for 1,600 yards in just eight games. While Brown has 249 passing yards, six TDs. He's run for nearly 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns, but he's also caught five touchdown passes and nearly has 300 yards receiving. He can do it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. But the thing for me in this game is between Pearl Cone's defense because they've had five shutouts this year. They actually just had their shutout streak broken by Stewart County last week, but they've outscored eight teams by a combined 300 points. So to me, can Milan get anything against this Pearl Cone defense and keep it a game? What do you think? Well, you know, that, that's a good question. You know, they put up 403 yards, uh, Milan did, on South Gibson last week. Um, 132 of those uh, rushing yards came from their quarterback, Hayden Sullivan. But you are right about Anthony Brown. He is a hot 6'2", 190. He's a force. And like you said, he's, he does it all. Um, I think that he's dangerous, especially if they use him in the Wildcat. I think uh, that'd be a true test of Pearl's defensive uh, abilities because he can throw. But Pearl has – this team has talent, speed. He's got all the ingredients. They have all the ingredients to get back to cook one, raise the gold ball, but can they play like it? You know – the, you know, for the first time in six weeks, they hadn't given up a point. You gave up 20 last week. You know, you went through uh, the resume of Martino Owens, and really this team has done a 180 almost on their identity. They love to throw the ball, and they have the, they have the, the horses to go. Can they stop the Bulldogs? That's the question. Yeah, is how will their defense hold up? How will they react if they get behind those are questions you don't know, and that's why I think this game may come down to special teams. And when it comes down to special teams, I'm thinking Randall Hodge. He has speed and power to break one open. I like Pearl. I think it's a close game, but I like Pearl in this game. My question is, can Milan's defense stop them? And I don't think they can. Uh, Pearl Cone has been very effective through the air this year, and when they've needed to run it, Ivan Dayton Jr. has been – has been there to, to give them support on the ground. And, and this offense is almost as good as any we've seen in at least in 3A, if not anywhere else. But Milan's defense, I don't know if they can keep up. Uh, I'm I'm concerned there. I think Pearl Cone's got a chip on its shoulder after what happened at the Blue Cross Bowl last year, and they're itching to get back there. And Milan's just standing in the way. I, I like Pearl Cone in this one, and I don't think it's particularly close. Let, takes us to 4A with Elizabethan going to Nolansville in probably the gets the longest trip award of the year. I think it's around your 300 yard, 300 miles to to Nolansville from Elizabethan. I think it was maybe wow. 290 or something like that. But it's a rematch of of last year's of last year's semifinal. Elizabethan won 34-12 last year. Nolansville that upset over Tullahoma has them flying high. But the question is going to be, can they stop Elizabethan's offense? and Bryson Rollins, who's a Mr. Football finalist. He's thrown for nearly 2,000 yards, 27 TDs, four interceptions. He's also run for 900 yards and 19 touchdowns. And then he's got a teammate who's also a Mr. Football finalist in Parker Hughes, in Troy Parker Hughes. 1,233 receiving yards and 18 scores. That connection has been 
absolutely lethal for Elizabeth, and and Nolansville's going to have a hard time stopping them, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, you're right there. And you talk about Troy Parker Hughes being a huge target at 6'2", 180. Uh, but I want to look at their defense. They have a middle linebacker, Deuce Morton, who's the team's leading tackle. He says 105 tackles and seven of them for loss. Uh, if they have a weakness uh, based on, you know, what little film I've seen, it may be in their defensive backfield. Their middle was exposed against Greenville in the passing game. And they were hit for very two very long runs. Uh, if Sanson Johnson can get to the second level, he may find success there. Uh, but, you know, this is a team that has not lost in 28 straight games. They haven't lost since 2018. Nolensville, you know, they got away with one Friday night against Tullahoma. They were the recipients of two missed field goal attempts, a 99-yard kickoff return, a botched punt snap. You know, and defensively they gave up 316 yards of offense to Tullahoma, including 235 to Jacoby Thomas. They are going to have to play perfect ball. They're going to. Gillardi's going to have to have a, a, a good night throwing to open up Samson Johnson, and he has to factor in big. I don't know if they have the horses to run with Elizabethan. I just don't see it. I think that the run ends for Nolansville here. Yeah. Now, now to know that this game last year was actually pretty close in the fourth quarter, but then Elizabethan pulled away. So Nolansville has at least been able to keep up with them for the most part. They'll have to do a better job late in the game if they hope to do that again. Greenville put a big scare in Elizabethan last week. Nobody really thought Greenville would actually keep it close, but they, they kept it within one score. So Nolansville may have a little bit of hope in that, you know, there were things that Greenville was able to do that they could exploit. It's got to be, they've got to be sound in every, in every phase. Again, special teams has been good for Nolansville this year, and they'll have to have that again. And they really just have to find a way to limit the damage from Bryson Rollins and Troy Parker Hughes. But I'm like you. I, Elizabethan has been an absolute beast the last two seasons, and until somebody knocks them off, I got to go with them. And I'm I'm taking the Cyclones here to win that semifinal over Nolansville. Another good another good year for Nolansville. They're fixing to go into a new region and a new classification next year. But uh, their run at four has been pretty good. Unfortunately, I think it's going to end here. I, I like Elizabethan to go. Yeah. In five A, Summit at Henry County. We talked to to. Brian Coleman about this game and, and kind of hit, got his thoughts about it. You know, this is a good one too. You know, Beach oh. and Henry County played earlier this year. Beach beat them by seven. Summit beat Beach by seven. So who knows how this is going to go? But you know, these two teams may make for a very very strong semifinal game. Yeah, this this really is a uh, a great game. Uh, you know, some like you said they squeezed by Beach last week largely on the skill of Destin Wade. You know, he put up all kinds of yardage in that game. But Caleb Jolly had a, a great game receiving, uh, and I think that's going to come in to play in this. Uh, but I think most telling, uh, if you look at last week, is what Summit is doing on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, third downs were big in the last game, huge. Offensively, Summit converted 80%, the 8 of 10 on, on third downs. They held Beach to one for seven, or 14.3%. They didn't give up any sacks. You know, the biggest thing that that defense is going to have to do is limit mistakes and keep Dameron in the pocket. And Henry County, uh, 
so far they've had somewhat of a, I don't want to say easy, but a less uh, stressful maybe run through the playoffs, a bye and two blowouts. But I don't think that this team is going to overlook Summit. I know that uh, Ryan Dameron's an excellent quarterback. He can move and throw. Uh, he could give the Spartans fits, especially if he extends plays. But the, their guy is Jamarcus Johnson. He's a Mr. Football semifinalist. He put up 232 yards and four TDs last week. Uh, he didn't have as much success against Brighton, but he, the week before against Northwest, of course, it being Northwest, to another 250 yards. But defensively, this team I don't think is as good. Uh, they gave up 223 passing yards to Northeast. And I think that Destin Wade will feast on that. Um, Early this season, you brought up the beach game. They gave up 200 yards rushing the beach early. Now, I agree. It, is, it was early. It was early, and a lot of things change. But I think the most telling, if you look at their record, is that they gave up 341 yards to Cade Grands out in Brentwood. And I don't think Henry County has seen a quarterback like Destin Wade maybe since that game. And unless they find a way that they can stop Destin Wade, I think that uh, some is going to, uh, come out on top of this game. I just like Summit to 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 go on. I think the way that Summit has handled road games in the playoffs this this season and last season, they're about as seasoned a team in the postseason as any out there. You know, they've had to do a lot of winning away from home and in environments just like this. Beach was a tough enough environment as it is. Henry County would be another one as well. But the way that they're carrying themselves, even without Keaton Wade, and if Keaton Wade is able to suit up, it's a shot in the arm for a team that really doesn't need it. But if he is able to play, it's just that much worse for Henry County, I think, because Summit will be almost at full strength. And a full-strength Summit team is state championship material in my mind. And even if Keaton Wade doesn't play, they are still state championship material in my mind. That's just how good this team is I, that, I th- that I think that I've seen, at least from what I've heard this year. And, and Summit, they have a chip on their shoulder after last season, and they're playing like it. So I don't know. Henry County, Jamarcus Johnson is going to mo- have to have a monster game just to keep Henry County in it, I think. And then Ryan Dameron will wow. have to do the rest. Have to do the rest. Wow. So – I like Summit to win this one. I think it may stay fairly close for a while, but Summit, I think, will, will pull this one away and and secure a spot in Cookville for the second straight year. The most important person in this game may be the bus driver. Um, um, they need to look out in front and make sure that they uh, <laughs> they have alternative routes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not as long a trip as you might think, though, from Summit to Henry County. It's, no, I think you no, said it was a couple of hours, so... Yeah, yeah. Not it, a big it, it, deal. It's not four and a half like Elizabethan is is needing to get to Nolansville. No, I, I'm. I made that trip not from not from down there, but from the east side. I've made that trip many a time. Yeah. yeah. Let's move to the six A semifinals and, and wrap this up. We'll start with Brent with Maryville and Oakland. Actually, no, Brentwood at Bartlett. We'll get to Maryville and Oakland in a minute. But Brentwood at Bartlett first. Brentwood has been playing like a team possessed in the postseason, and then they've had a lot of things happen. A lot of emotional wins. They're going to need another one when they go to Bartlett, who has won eight in a row entering this game. You know, Brentwood has 
a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, I think, and they want to try to prove that some of those losses this year were a bit of a fluke. Bartlett will be its own challenge, but uh, do you think the Bruins can do it? Well, well, if they can't, Bruins have to have – if they can't, it's it's not on – I don't know who it's on. They may have had the toughest schedule up to this point. They are battle-tested. They got uh, Cambridge in round one, Independence in round two, and Franklin in round three. I don't think you can name another team that had that kind of murderous gauntlet that they had to run through like Brentwood has. In addition, to the, in addition to the teams they play the regular season, you, you throw in Brentwood Academy, yeah. you throw in Oakland, you throw in Henry County. I mean, you know, they they played some very very strong teams this year. Yeah, uh, this team is definitely battle tested, and Cade Granzel is their warrior. He is he's a wizard. You know, he's he scored a hundred TDs this year. Uh, his hundredth TD last uh, last week in that seven touchdown performance. Hundred career and, TDs, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. If he if he scored a hundred this year, <laughs> there's no doubt who Mister Football is. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's getting all the footballs. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that was his. Yeah, his hundred TDs uh, on in his career. Yes. Um, Sorry if I misspoke. But, <laughs> um, Luke, Luke Walton and Walker, Walker Merrill, they, I think they're going to have to have uh, tremendous games. But, um, you know, they, they've allowed – Brentwood's allowed some points, but they've, you know, quite frankly, they haven't had to worry too much about it because they have been piling the points on. And you look at uh, Bartlett, whose only loss was an early season game against CPA, you know, they – they move the ball quite a bit, but they do have a propensity to turn it over. And I think that that may be a key. Um, they do have, you know, they are known to throw an interception or two, but their main engine of their offense is uh, Robert Giama. He's a 1,300-yard rusher with 22 TDs. Um, but this team got better in the offseason because they got two COVID transfers uh, when Shelby County decided not to uh, not to play. They acquired Jeremy Boyland, a uh, 6'2", 230 middle linebacker who's being courted all over the place, and Jelani Willis, uh, a defensive back. Uh, this team defensively does a real good job turning uh, opponents over. So I think that the key is going to be Brentwood not making mistakes and forcing Bartlett into mistakes. I think they can do it. I think Brentwood has been tested enough. I think that uh, Granzel, you know, has you know he has put the Steelers back, bad knee and all, and you know is carrying them. I like the Bruins to make it to the uh, to make it to the Blue Cross Bowl. You mentioned the turnovers and, and of winning those mistakes, and yeah, yeah, I think that Granzel could be just fine in this game, and, and he's he's very battle tested. He's this thing is kind of slowed down for him. So much so that it's almost like he's playing already at a college level. Mm. And Bartlett's challenge is going to be finding those turnovers and converting on them because Brentwood scored plenty of points. And if you don't keep pace with them, you're just going to get left behind. And this could be this could be 42-24 or something like that very easily in Brentwood's favor. Uh, I just don't see a path for Bartlett to, to win this game unless they turn Brentwood over multiple times. We're talking three, four, five turnovers. It's going to take that to to keep them off the scoreboard because they haven't teams haven't stopped Brentwood this postseason, and and Bartlett 
is going to be very challenged in doing so. So I like the yeah. Bruins to, to make it to Cookville as well. As to who they're going to face, Mary Oak in Part 7. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about this this rivalry, it's been – and Cecil Joyce of the Daily News Journal wrote about this. He said that this should be a state championship game, and it should. It really should. It, and the way the bracket is set up, it, it unfortunately knocks one of these two teams out in the semifinal round as opposed to, you know, being a showcase game for a championship like it really should be. And, right. you know, recent history has been such that the last five years, the home team has won the semifinal game each and every time. Oakland gets to host this time. So if the pattern holds, it's the Patriots' turn. But as with all things 2020, we can't really predict what's going to happen. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um. Oakland, Oakland this year has done something that I think this year is something that I was I, I like seeing out of them. I think they have stretched their offense. We always knew they could run the ball. We always knew that they were a good running team, had great offensive linemen. Uh, they would just line up and beat you. But I think they've expanded their offense this year to really get the passing game involved. It opens up so much more when you can keep the defenses guessing. And I think that, you know, getting Jordan James in the backfield, uh, it, it is a great thing to have a back of that caliber. But to me, late to the scene and making a splash, we talked about this earlier, was Isaiah Horton. He's just a game changer. When you can, when you can throw it up to him with seconds left in the half, and he go up and get it as he's done twice we know of. That is a special receiver and a weapon that must be accounted for. And that, to me, is a a big big thing. But, I mean, Ian Schlechter threw for 148 yards, but that's a little misleading because ninety of those came on that completion to Jordan James late. Um, but at any time they can they can hit you deep. Now, Maryville. You know, they are marriable. You know, you got Parker McGill, uh, hell of a player. Carson Jones, 22 TDs on the season. Um, they have a defense that's been holding teams to 6.1 points per game average in the regular season. And they average well over 34 points a game. And the thing that's got me is that they managed to hold McMinn County to two points. Um, this is a tight game. I think that you were right when you said it could go either way, but I will. I'm not going to argue with fate here. I think that I think playing in Oakland means something. I think that playing in front of your home crowd means something to these two programs. Otherwise, the uh, you know they wouldn't have the record they do. I'm going with the Patriots in this game. I think it's a close game, but I like the Patriots here. This could absolutely be a barn burner of a game, just the way Maryville plays. Um, but Oakland, I think might just be the better team on the field with, with athletes all over the place who can strike from anywhere. Uh, it may take a little longer for them to to kind of put it in their corner, but you know, I fully expect the Patriots to, to be locked in and focused on this game and, and at least get on the board. They didn't do that last year against Maryville. They lost 12 nothing in that one, and 
I, I think it'll be a little higher scoring than that. And Oakland's defense, we don't talk enough about Oakland's defense. We talked about Riverdale's defense being very good, but Oakland has a defense in its own right that has been very, very stout all year long and only allowing like one team to score in the 20s all season. So that we don't talk about that enough. Their defense really is kind of the backbone of their success. I mean, they have these all these skill players all over the place, but you know, their defense is putting them in great spots by not letting teams score. And so Maryville's challenge is going to be, can they get it in the 20s and give themselves a chance to, to win if they absorb a score or two from Oakland's skill players? That That's the challenge for Maryville to me. Right. And I think Oakland, Oakland either wins big or they, or they win it, you know, comfortably going away but Maryville will keep this close it's a one score game I think but in the end I think the home team's going to win it again and we'll see an all mid-state championship game I'm taking Oakland so I think uh where do we go we went five or five of six with the same pick again yeah I think uh Meigs County may have been the only one yeah I believe that's right and uh, we'll post these picks and the rest of the semifinals on Thursday on our website, 615preps.com, where you'll also find everything from the semifinals that you need to know and everything that maybe you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all the time we've got for this week. Next week, we're hitting Cookville with however many teams get there, whether it's the three in the... Thursday games in Division Two, or whether some more teams join them in Division One on Friday and Saturday, we'll be up there for as many teams as are up there. So keep an eye on social media for that. Uh, visit 615preps.com for more. For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Thanks for listening to us. This is the 615 Preps Podcast presented by NCP Coatings. We will talk to you next week. Playoffs, baby. The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps Podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CBrooksTN and Scott at SBurton615.